podcast, we'll be discussing the paper entitled Preoperative Gabapentin for Minimally Invasive Hysterectomy, a Randomized Controlled Trial. In this study, 129 women were randomized to either receive a preoperative regimen of acetaminophen, silicoxib, and gabapentin versus acetaminophen and silicoxib alone. They found that a single dose of preoperative gabapentin for women undergoing a benign minimally invasive hysterectomy did not reduce the total opioid use following surgery. We are lucky to have with us today two of the authors, Dr. Terry Wynn and Dr. Gretchen McKay from the Christiana Cares Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. Thank you both for being here. Just to start it off, let's get right into it. What was the motivation for performing this study? Yeah, I, I would say jokingly, my motivation was it was my fellowship um, research. So it was mainly for graduation purposes and to get something done. Um, but at the, the initial motivation was really this was Gretchen's concept and her idea. Um, and so, uh, you know, this was... Uh, in our institution, they had just recently instituted a new ERAS protocol, which included giving preoperative medications as a single dose, including gabapentin. And prior to this, we had never done this before. So we were curious to see what the true effects of these medications were in our patient population, specifically in minimally invasive surgery, where a lot of the benefits for ERAS were already ingrained in, in much of the minimally invasive benefits, such as early discharge and things like that. Um, so we're curious to see, does gabapentin have a benefit um, or does it not for our patients? So specifically, I, I became interested for a couple of reasons. Uh, certainly all of us could get excited around um, doing better by our patients, improving perioperative care and helping them feel even better. I think that's a huge motivator for most of us as minimally invasive surgeons that we're really interested in making our women feel better faster um, so that they can get back to their regular life. That being said, uh, when Terry entered her fellowship and this started, this ERAS protocol, um, I've been operating for years, I won't say how many, <laughs> but many, um, and not had too many struggles, um, not had too many obstacles getting patients home the same day and feeling pretty good. So suddenly my patients went from not being allowed to have anything by mouth, anything, uh, until the day of surgery to taking four medications by mouth within an hour before surgery. The protocol that they initiated was Tylenol, Celecoxib, or excuse me, acetaminophen, Celecoxib, um, gabapentin, and oxycodone in select cases. Uh, and it just seemed to me like, wait a minute, we went from not having too much trouble in minimally invasive surgery, would love to make it better, to now four medications. So the question is really twofold. One is, are we helping our patients? Great, let's see how we're helping them. But what of all of this do we actually need? Because over-medicating patients is also not uh, beneficial. So trying to tease out what was new, um, what was useful, and, and how we could uh, do right by our patients. That's, very, that's a very interesting point. Now, was there a specific reason you looked at gabapentin? Were there potentially any adverse effects you were trying to avoid in that kind of multimodal uh, pharmaceutical uh, strategy that was being initiated with the ERAS protocol? Yeah, you know, with uh, gabapentin specifically, there are definitely some side effects that we could be concerned about, such as some of the more common things include being tremulous or somnolent. Um, uh, we're worried that potentially that could have an effect in terms of same-day discharge, but it wasn't the motivating drive for this paper. We select gabapentin in large part because for our patients, when they were given these medications, some of the medications were more familiar versus the other, and we knew that gabapentin was something that was relatively newer to most people. Maybe they never had it before, um, so they were less comfortable with it, and similarly, they, they knew they could tolerate or not tolerate 
um, an NZ versus acetaminophen. So we opted to make a cleaner study also by selectively choosing one medication rather than randomizing um, patients to no preoperative medications versus um, all three to really kind of tease out and figure out is this selective medication beneficial to help begin painting the picture of what are the right medications for our patients and whether they're helpful or not. Um, so yes, the side effects are something that were a consideration, but probably not the motivating factor in this situation. What is your institution's current uh, ERAS protocol for your minimally invasive hysterectomies? Yeah, so the for the ERAS protocol at our institution, it wasn't specifically for just hysterectomy, but for all surgeries. So all surgeons across our specialties were instituting the same protocol that was um, designed by our anesthesiologists who really took the lead in, in bringing this to our institution, which is really great. Um, but it ERAS in general it is a multifaceted protocol, so it includes uh, preoperative, intraoperative, and postoperative uh, uh, tenets that are supposed to be designed to help improve patient outcomes in terms of getting them back to bowel and just general functioning earlier to help, help reduce narcotic use and also return them to bowel functioning um, and home earlier, reducing hospital length of stays, things like that. It initially started with colorectal literature, I believe, um, and was expanded to other specialties. And so for our institution included um, in addition to preoperative counseling, which is done kind of more on an individual basis across those specialties. Um, it also included allowing patients to have clear liquids up to two hours prior to coming in, um, as well as uh, these preoperative medications, which includes acetaminophen, typically 975 milligrams, celecoxib, which was 400 milligrams, and then gabapentin, which they were at the time giving 300 milligrams at our institution. Um, the anesthesiologists then have their own protocol in terms of intraoperative management to help reduce excess fluids, maintaining patient um, uh, temperature, things like that. And then in terms of postoperative care, um, the goal was to have patients return to functioning as soon as possible. So minimizing how long they had a Foley in place, returning patients to eating a regular diet as soon as possible, things of that nature. For our hysterectomy patients, there's a couple things that we did from a post-operative standpoint, including we uh, promoted same-day discharge by having a retrograde trial avoid protocol in place so patients would then have this trial avoid and hopefully go home on the same day. Uh, we also gradually instituted, not at the time of the study, but gradually we instituted uh, a hysterectomy class that all patients could go to to get some basic counseling on hysterectomy and preoperative counseling. And honestly, I think that probably makes the biggest difference in terms of setting patient expectations about what to expect for their surgery, when they might go home, things like that. Because um, I think many patients may hear from their mom or their grandma who had a hysterectomy that they stayed in the hospital for five days, and now they're shocked that they're going home on the same day. So I think setting those expectations are really, really helpful, and they also get a book, or they can go online and get that same information that way. Um, so those are the, are the ways that our, our institution instituted uh, the protocol from an anesthesia standpoint, and then we kind of hijacked it for our study. <laughs> Maybe we kind of look at table three, where you look at uh, post-operative narcotic use and uh, pain scores of patients who did and did not receive gabapentin in the ERAS protocol. Sure, yeah. So our groups were randomized to receiving 600 milligrams of gabapentin, which at the time was a little bit more than our institution, plus acetaminophen and celecoxib versus the control group, which has got acetaminophen and celecoxib. And our primary outcome was looking at narcotic use, at like total narcotic use at 24 hours post-operative. But we did collect data 
on narcotic use throughout their time course, as well as up to two weeks post-operative, and looked at post-op pain scores as well, um, just to get a better understanding of the pain picture. This table shows what their use in terms of narcotics were, as well as what their pain scores were. Um, and there were no differences that were significant between the two groups. So whether we see gabapentin or not, we found that they had um, uh, no differences that between their uses at any time point, and specifically at the 24-hour time point, which was our primary outcome. We didn't find any differences in terms of post-operative pain um, between the two groups, and this was at several different time points, including when they arrived to the PACU um, at the 24 hours, as well as kind of their average pain at two weeks post-operative, just for comparison purposes. So we didn't see any, any differences. Let's quickly look at figure two. Were there any specific differences in the adverse effects of those who did and did not receive gabapentin? We didn't see any differences in terms of adverse um, uh, events or, or symptoms, really kind of side effects or symptoms. We didn't have any actual adverse events. Um, but in terms of common side effects like somnolence or nausea, vomiting, uh, tremulousness, uh, feeling like there's some difficulty walking with their gait, we found both categories, whether we see gabapentin or not, both subjects um, and groups actually have had both symptoms um, and there was no difference in terms of rates. Um, so it suggests that perhaps it's not the gabapentin specifically, but some other elements of surgery that may cause some of those symptoms. So gabapentin itself did not affect those side effects. So moving forward, is gabapentin going to be a part of your ERAS protocol for your hysterectomies? <laughs> well, for the institution, it still is. We'll put it that way. Um, I, you know, I'm a big believer in the scientific method and that studies should be reproduced before we make major changes in terms of how you're practicing. I think this is a well-designed study since we're able to do a randomized trial um, and it was appropriately powered. And so I, it definitely makes an argument that you may not need gabapentin for minimum invasive hysterectomy as there may be other elements of the surgery method. Um, ele other elements of the ERAS protocol that was in place that can also help give you the same outcome. They may not need to use gabapentin, but there are some patients who um, I could see potentially having some benefit, particularly if there are any issues with chronic narcotic use. Maybe this is a mechanism that potentially could help. We didn't study that specifically, so we don't know. Um, it could be another fellowship project if someone wants to take that on. Um, uh, but I currently use it. Um, it, as somewhat sparingly, but I, I, I let my fellow honestly choose um, what she wants to do. And if the anesthesiologist want it, I have no problems with them using it since our safety profile seems consistent with all the data out there that a single dose gabapentin use is safe to use. Um, and I won't give excessive pushback. And for me personally, uh, there will never be a more applicable study. And knowing that the study was well powered, a randomized controlled trial. Um, and even attempting at blinding patients, certainly their providers were blinded, but uh, looking at this data, it is so applicable to my patients that I don't order gabapentin, even just based on this one study, because um, I didn't see a benefit. And um, if I was that patient, if you're going to give me a pill or not give me a pill, I'd rather not have the medication. That being said, just as Dr. Huen said, um, we do have anesthesia uh, very actively involved in managing our patients, and we welcome their input. They have expertise that we don't have. Uh, so when they order it, I'm absolutely fine with it. I look forward to uh, this paper being published, and we can take it to our team then uh, and see if they want to change their protocols. You know, But again, for laparotomies, we include uh, gabapentin in a week-long 
program uh, of pain management. So gabapentin certainly believe in it as a as a, in its role in RS protocols. Um, just you know, m- maybe we need to identify or specify where it can be best utilized. Thank you both so much for taking the time to talk to me about this excellent paper. I look forward uh, to it being shared and some of the feedback and comments that our community has to say about it. It's really well done. All right. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for having us. Thank you all for tuning in to Mix Front Page this month. We look forward to seeing you guys again.